0: account abstraction doesn't end with paying fees if if you have a smart contract wallet but all depths still assume you have a private public key account we have not solved account abstraction so we need to bring it also like we need to bring it to the depths right like that account abstraction is flexibility. you cannot assume that you only execute one transaction you can batch transaction you can do a lot of arbitrary interactions only once we really have brought this also off-chain, basically, then we have solved account abstraction. And I think this is also a misconception where many people think, hey, if we if we are done with 4337, account abstraction is solved, We are, we are, everything is solved, All problems are solved. Um, I think that's quite far from it. Yeah, uh, P4337 and uh, defining the interfaces is a very important first step, but it's only the first step.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Devs Do Something. Today's guest is Richard Meisner, co-founder and CTO at SAFE. Richard is an expert on all things smart contract wallets, and we use this episode to go deep into account abstraction. In particular, we discussed the SAFE contract architecture and how things like SAFE modules and smart contract wallets work under the hood from a developer perspective. The SAFE team has rolled out a ton of new libraries in tech that make supporting smart contract wallets in AA a breeze, and we discussed them as well. We also got into other areas of what Richard and team have been working on it safe for a while. So we, we, we did a little detour into things like signature schemes and also solving the problem of blind signing or YOLO signing as it's sometimes called, which seems to be just uh, an interest that Richard has on the side. And we got into how Richard thinks, thinks about developer careers and also things like smart contract security. I think that early career devs will get a lot out of those portions of our conversation. And then the final thing we did in this episode was dispel some myths about account abstraction. ERC-4337 is not a silver bullet, Uh, and smart contract wallets don't automatically mean things like uh, gasless transactions or or something like that. All of those things are possible and made possible by smart contract wallets, but I think it's best to think about AA as more of a general movement toward building a better user experience for Web3 with smart contract wallets and other infrastructure, like what Safe is building, leading the way. So, you'll get all of that and more in this episode. And if you're curious about smart contract wallets, both as a dApp developer, smart contract developer, just researcher, or someone curious, I think you'll get a lot out of this episode with Richard. So, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. As devs, we all love hackathons, they're a great way to boost your skill set meet other engineers, and add to your portfolio of work. At Superfluid, we've sponsored many hackathons and decided to start putting on a hackathon of our own, the Superfluid Wave Pool. This hackathon is a little bit different though, in that it's continuous. It's always open. You can submit any project built on Superfluid at any point throughout the month and have a chance to earn thousands of dollars in prizes, depending on how your project stacks up. In just the last couple of months, we've seen dozens of teams build really amazing projects that run the gamut from superfluid developer tutorials to full-fledged applications uh, to a proof of concept superfluid Starknet implementation that we thought was really, really impressive. So we encourage you to check it out today. You can learn more by going to superfluid.finance/wavepool. That's superfluid.finance/wavepool. Happy hacking! All right, we are here today with Richard, one of the co-founders of the SAFE team. How are you today, Richard?
0: Hey, Sam. I'm, I'm good. Busy day. I mean, today, uh, timing-wise, we just did the announcement and the launch for the new SAFE core and the SAFE landing. So basically announcing what we want to achieve and what we have been working on for the last couple of months.
1: I love it. Okay. So we're going to have to get into the announcement. Uh, this, this, We're literally recording this, I think, right as that went out. So uh, you might have to fill me in a bit. But um, before we, we get into that and we get into some of the, the low level, lower level technical aspects of what you guys have built over the last couple of years and also some of your thoughts on account abstraction, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Uh, the first question we ask everybody is how they got into this industry. So Richard, how did you get into crypto? connections
0: actually it was um I, I i come from the same university as stefan from gnosis so stefan george so then after my pr- the previous startup that i was working on it was actually completely different it was a teeny video app something like TikTok, just a couple of years earlier actually and I was like okay um what now and stefan was like you know join us right like and so this is basically the how i got into it and um i but like I fell in love with uh, actually the open the openness of the Ethereum space. So this is really the tech stack and the openness of the, all the projects and how they integrate with each other. This is, this is what really made me fell, uh, fall in love with the Ethereum community and the Ethereum.
1: Economy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, the precursor to TikTok is very different from self-custodying crypto assets, right? <laughs> it's it's uh, two different two different universes, but. Um, what were you, were you with the, I mean, I'm assuming you were with the, the, the safe team from the very beginning. You guys have had like the, the Gnosis and the safe side, right? You used to be called Gnosis safe. Um, how did you guys initially land on this idea that you wanted to build better solutions for self-custodying assets?
0: So uh, for this, I need to go a little bit into the backstory of Gnosis actually, right? Like, so when Gnosis, like they did the ACO and what they Want to bring is like prediction markets Right, like a uh, prediction market on blockchain um this big uh, like the belief that if you have an open sense of free platform where you do prediction markets you can uh, get more data and it will be uh, the platform to go to um but there were a couple challenges right like even for prediction markets you need a lot of people that uh, participate you need like said, the people that have the knowledge to participate and then the tokens and like, there's a market mechanisms for the outcome tokens of the prediction markets. They hold value, right? Like they are very valuable. And then, so the question there, before we can really get people on, on board, it's like, okay, how do we trade them? So it's a market mechanism part. And how do people hold the assets, right? Like because if you have valuable tokens, you don't want to put them in a private key in large amounts. And this is where then um, agnosis, And uh, where actually Stefan really said, hey, look, for for our ICO, we built this multi-signature wallet and we believe in our multi-signature wallet. How can we bring the same concepts to the masses, right? Like how we want everybody to have a multi-signature wallet. Everybody should um, take advantage of these um, security concepts and also some of the flexibility concepts because even the original multi-sig already had this daily limit where you could say up to a specific daily limit, you don't require any... um, complex approval structure and this is how the safe started right like this really okay how do we bring this multi-stake to the masses this is where then okay let's build the safe safe um had different assumptions than the original multi-stake from gnosis where it's more more gas efficient more off chain um more flexibility more extensibility and this is yeah how we then got into the into the safe space at some point it developed into this, that the market mechanism part became cow swap. the um, The asset management part became the safe project. Both of them now independent projects. Gnosis uh, focusing a lot on also this, uh, on the Gnosis chain and DAO tooling, right? Like all this is the, with Gnosis and a lot of other very interesting topics that they have to talk about themselves. Um, but yeah, so this is how we then focused more purely on the safe project and became independent.
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have definitely produced a lot of interesting things out of the the initial group that worked on this uh, this initial project, right? So it's it's cool to see. But you mentioned uh like safe as it is today, like part of the vision behind you actually doubling down and deciding to like really build high quality tooling here. Like you wanted to build something beyond just a standard multi sig wallet as they existed a few years ago. So can you walk, I mean, this is a technical show. Our listeners are going to be technical. They're going to be interested in in building on top of what you've already built. Can you walk listeners through, for those who aren't familiar, just like the basics of the safe contracts and how the general architecture works? Yes.
0: Um, Let's try, uh, where do I start? So at the core, right, like we believe in that the safe contracts should be super flexible so you can extend it with other contracts, but we want to have a very secure Default, let's say it this way, right? Like even if you don't add any plugins or modules or whatever you call it, there should be some security. And this is so at the core, the safe contract provides this multi-sig, right? Like this is also where it's the most well-known for. It's really that it um, provides multi-signature functionality and actually this is how you execute transaction. This is allows you to, in the past, we called it meta-transaction, right? Like it uses meta-transaction, nowadays, you would call it account abstraction. Um, Different word, very similar things, but yeah, this is um, yeah. So actually, we enabled this from the get go, right? Because we believed in that it's essential for the user experience to have multi-signature with meta transaction or um, enabled. So this is the very core. But then we said, okay, for certain things like you want to have a daily limit, um, we, different token standards require different interaction interactions with your um, wallet contract. We provided extension methods. So actually you can register modules and these modules allow you to define your own rules, how then you can execute transactions through your account. This is in the end, very simplified. A module is just an address that you whitelist and this is, you then have to trust this address that it works properly. We have one module from our side provided, which is the allowance module, which is exactly as a daily limit before you can Give a specific key. You say it has an allowance, a monthly, a daily, or like I think up to a year we allow it, which is then renewing or it doesn't renewing depends how you configure it. And then this can be used by they don't have to be an owner. Anybody can use this. This, um, Let's assume you have a a company account with millions of dollars, but you have um, the HR department wants to have $100 per month to buy cake for the team to motivate them. Then they could have their allowance set by the cake right so this is a nice part but it provides also a lot of like theoretically uh, unlimited possibilities there to automate this we in the past uh, um, the market mechanism team so formerly it was like the dx uh, the dutch x team there, they use this to automate how they fund their auctions on the DutchX, right? Like they could, why any interaction with the safe, you would have to require more manual thing. But this, there was a bot that could fund on a specific contract or auctions, which allows you automation. Um, similar to actually how the Gelato team allows automation, which is something that all users are used to from Web2, right? Like we are used to that certain things happen automatically. And uh, with the private keys, this becomes a little bit tricky. Um, so this is where we have the automation. Um, yes, so this is, I think, the biggest and most powerful integration. Um, but yeah, we also have some other integrations which allow you more on a, like this is an execution side where it's more on the read side in the sense of when a contract calls into the safe, you can define what should happen because the arbitrary contract calls can be done to the safe, um, And you can adjust the logic. One example here would be, um there's EIP twelve seventy-one, which is actually also very important in the account abstraction standard, which allows you to define how should a wallet contract um verify a signature. I mean there's this common problem that smart contracts cannot have really the traditional signature, but there is um this where you say, hey, the contract should provide an, a method called is valid signature, and then you can the contract can decide how to validate the signature, right? And the default there is that we do the normal multi-signature check. But theoretically, also there you can extend it to say, "Hey, look, I write a I write implementation of this method that checks for which address are we verifying a signature, right? Like, is it Cowswap, for example? And therefore, on Cowswap, I allow a specific key to do certain interactions, or is it Snapshot?" snapshot, a uh, different key, but also allow, or is it something I don't know, then please full security, all the owners have to confirm this message, uh, this message right? Like, and this flexibility is also something that we provide. And yeah, in the recent, most recent version, we also added then something called guards, which allow you to add additional checks that should be performed before each transaction that you go through the default flow. And this allows you, for example, that you say that you limit certain interactions or that, um, like, for example, um, if you say you want to change the configuration of the safe, this would require um, that it has been announced a week beforehand or something like this, right? Like you have this possibility to um, limit further this. And these are the three current uh, integration points where we say, hey, you can use these to arbitrarily extend the contract. and make the most like like or adjust the safe to the use case you want to cover and um, yeah, so this is at the core and I think our mission in the next years is a little bit organizing how to bring this or how make it possible to developers to easily extend this because obviously extension on a smart contract level is always critical on a security side, right like this is something where we want to um, enable the developers better.
1: I love it. So there's a lot there that that I want to unpack throughout the next couple of minutes, right? So I'm going to go back a little bit though first. You said these modules, and right, a lot of people have made these modules. Us at Superfluid, I work on the Superfluid team, sponsor this podcast. We have a Superfluid module where you can go in, you can create streams inside of the safe app, right? What are these modules? You said they're whitelisted addresses, but like, does this mean that I have to uh like are are you creating a new contract when you create a new module? Are you just like, 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 what, what exactly are you doing under the hood? I think the most common case is that a module is a contract
0: that you then, and this contract then calls into your safe using a predefined interface. To be one hundred percent correct, it doesn't have to be a contract, right? Like, if you would say you want to use a module as you trust um, your DevOps and they should have an admin key, you could actually also use it as an admin key. Actually, a very nice. Um, Spin on it is you could say if you use a safe as a module of another safe, you have social recovery to some extent Um, because you could say that this other safe then just other it's controlled by your five best friends and therefore they um, they control and they can help you recover the safe right like and um, yes so in but yeah this is I think a very Special case in the most common cases, it's really like uh, how you mentioned it, right? Like for a very specific use case, you create a contract that has um, specific access mechanisms or use cases. Um, Like I mentioned before, the example was where you fund a specific auction where you say it's always the same address that we are sending funds to, and then we do a specific contract call um, that then allows you to, uh, or it allows the safe to trigger the signal, And therefore, it's extending the functionality of the safe.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense, okay. So, part of the the interesting thing here, right, is that when you have a smart contract wallet, you can do a lot of interesting things, and you kind of unpacked a lot of these different things you can do uh, just a couple of minutes ago, right? You mentioned automations, uh, even things like social recovery, um, just creating better overall user experiences, right? Um, and I'll get into maybe like what 1271 is and like what devs should be doing to support smart contract wallets in their apps. but how do you uh, how do you from your position, right? So you've been working on smart contract wallets for a while, right? Years at this point. Last six months, one of the hottest buzzwords is a con abstraction, right? We've had a couple of episodes here where we've we've deep dived the con abstraction with some people. We had uh, someone we had Julian from argent on we had Uh, the CTO of economy on we've all been talking about uh account abstraction meta transactions all this stuff right um how do you see this whole debate um as someone who's been building uh smart contract wallets for a long time like what what misconceptions are there like how do you how do you view it i mean i
0: i previewed a little bit with one of my comments earlier right like it is not really a super new topic right like um account abstraction suddenly became popular but it's not that this Oh, EIP yeah, 4337 is is a super new thing and never, ever anybody thought about it before, right? Like in the past when we started also with, actually with Argent early days, we when we talked with them and um, discussed with them, we, it was called meta transaction, but it comes down to a very similar thing where it's really about, hey, um, there's still this friction that if you have a smart contract wallet, you you cannot, like you need another account that has funds, right? Like, and this is a little bit annoying. And so yeah, for me, the biggest misconception, uh, like one of the biggest things that it's something where suddenly we now have a solution. I mean, Argent and the safe, they work. And with EIP 4337, the big new thing is really, the, uh, there are two new things. One is that they decentralize relay relayer uh, part, right? like in the sense of um, that the user doesn't hold a key because they assume somebody else in the system holds a key and they will therefore relay the transaction. Um in Argent case, Argent is running a relayer a centralized. We are working together with Gelato to run a relayer, right? Like so there are the means. Um EIP437 really puts that to a maximum where they say decentralizes. this. And another very important thing that EIP437 is doing is really defining an interface, right? Like which is actually if we look at ZK uh, zinc, they also have their interface and other teams, um, Starknet also working on this, right? Like they define this interface. What message should you provide to verify and uh, the signatures and pay fees and what message should you provide to execute a transaction, and this is where this is cool, this is good, important to push this forward. Um, and I think the second other misconception for me is that this, it, it, like this, what I just described, what EIP four three seven does, like the defining the interface, decentralized relaying, that this will solve account abstraction. Um, you hinted at it also a little bit when you talked about you want to sh- uh, you want to mention what depth developers have to do to support smart contract wallets right account abstraction doesn't end with paying fees if if you have a smart contract wallet but all dapps still assume you have a private public key account we have not solved account abstraction so we need to bring it also like we need to bring it to the depths, right like that account abstraction is flexibility you cannot assume that you only execute one transaction you can batch transaction you can do a lot of arbitrary interactions only once we really have brought this also off chain basically then we have solved account abstraction and I think this is also a misconception where many people think hey if we if we are done with four through 3, 7, account abstraction is solved we are we are everything is solved all problems are solved um, I think that's quite far from it uh, p 4337 and uh, defining the interfaces is a very important first step, but it's only the first step.
1: Yeah, it's also uh, it's also a standard, right? So people have to adopt it, you know? Like yep. ERC-20 is a token standard, but nothing's stopping you from making a different token that doesn't uh, uh, comply with the standard, I suppose. So, okay, so you mentioned that the way you're approaching this relayer thing, right? So part of 4337 for people like yourself is I'm sure people might be asking you, like, all right, like now that this is a standard, how is Safe gonna support this new interface? Right. And it sounds like what you're doing is when it comes to the like the relayer, you're you're working with gelato to actually create a decentralized process for relaying things like meta transactions. Is is that is that right? Is there anything else you're doing there? Like, I know there's pe- there are people trying to build like, Paymaster contracts. And like, I talked to Biconomy and they're going very deep into this direction. But uh, can you speak to anything else you might be looking at on that front?
0: So, in general, how
1: I mean, our SDK or our approach is right, like that we
0: want to be agnostic, right? Like, we, we start with a reference implementation and there we want to use something that is available on many networks, easily usable. And there currently, Gelato is what's a start like the partners that we started with, so that we launched with, right? Like because they are available on any networks, they allow easy sponsoring of transactions, and they have a good knowledge and support for the safe, even if you don't want to spend that, uh, sponsor transactions. So for us, a good starting point. That being said, it makes sense to, like, we are agnostic and we are open to also then see, okay, what other mes- uh, methods are there to relay transactions, right? Like having EIP 4 through at one part of this relay or like an alternative to Gelato and the relaying you um, know relay kit how we call it is definitely something that we want to push forward it's the same there are other relays we have Open Zeppelin provides a solution for relaying um, Infura provides a solution for relaying and all of them have different um, like cater towards different use cases right like um, for um, the Open Zeppelin one it's way more integrated into the Open Zeppelin stack how you can monitor and how you can and um, then submit so transaction and have security aspects there where ITX is more integrated into their whole Infura tech stack, right? Like and depending where you want to live and where you want to go and different solutions have their their value, right? Like and the IP four three seven as a super decentralized one, definitely something to to look forward to and to integrate because decentralization is obviously a big part of the safe product.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. So okay, so on the and this is something you also alluded to a, a couple of minutes ago. DAP developers haven't really made use of what's been possible for a while, right, when it comes to smart contract wallets and even things like uh, like automations and social recovery and, and things you can get from using smart contract wallets and supporting them. so what what should what should application developers really need to know here? Like if they want to create the best possible user experience that's in line with these principles that people are now calling account abstraction, and they want to make use of smart contract wallets to do so. What do they need to change about maybe just a their mental model for how an application should work, or b like the actual concrete uh, user workflows that they're supporting in their DApps? Uh, what what should DApp developers be thinking about?
0: Yes, I think the the very most important part is really about this thinking that you. What is the signature? Right, like how do you authentic, authenticate with a smart contract? They provide you a signature, but it is definitely not a signature where you can call easy recover on and you get a um, you get the sender right, like the, Account signing, etc. For the account, and I think this is still the biggest thing where there needs to be a shift because this is not only not taking advantage of smart contract accounts, but actually breaking compatibility with smart contract accounts, and therefore stopping account abstraction in this regard. And then the next step is really that, and maybe it's a little bit—I'm um, not sure if it's the best way to say—but it's not really on the dev developer solely, right? Like. But it's also on the standards, like on the library developers, actually, that we need to provide the dev developers with better standards. Right? Like, and this is actually a very lengthy process. If you look at the discussions around, hey, we want to have an RPC call. We're currently, if you want to send a transaction, you have like eSend transaction, right? Like to send it to your wallet. And we, you want to have another RPC call where you can send multiple transactions to the wallet, right? Like it sounds simple it's a process that has been ongoing for at least two years, discussions around such an RPC standard where still there's no common standard where um, all the wallet developers can align. Yes, this is what we want to support, right? Like, so it's actually quite a big push where the wallet developers and the tooling people like Ethers and Web3JS, they need to come together and provide a good tooling to the developers because else um, it's going to be hard uh, because uh, there's the, else, Debt developers would have to say, okay, now I develop for the safe uh, and then tomorrow for Argent and then I have special logic for each of them. And let's be honest, that's not really scalable, right? Like this is um, the only wallet for which people do this right now is MetaMask. And this doesn't help in this aspect because then people only start thinking about private and public keys again because that's what MetaMask is. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay. So what else is needed on the standardization side? beyond? is, Is there anything beyond the... The, the RPC example you gave, right? And one thing, you're, you're 100% right about this, by the way, because when you, as a, as a DApp developer, like as me, me, I was someone who's just looking to do like, a, I was I was working on creating an example, right? Like create a super fluid stream uh, with a smart contract wallet in a way that basically makes it so that the user creating the stream doesn't have to pay fees. That's all I wanted to do, right? And you can do that in a lot of different ways, right? I can use your SDKs to do that. I can use Biconomy's SDK to do that. Um I can get really advanced and try to use some of the more fringe op- options to do that. Right. I can run my own relayer to do that. Um so it it's definitely complicated, but what else is necessarily necessary on the the standardization side? Like should should eat should like the ethers team think about supporting things in, in ethers? Like how do you how do you see all this?
0: Oh I think um, the ECS team is the second step, right? Like first the wallets have to get together and it's about getting the wallets and pushing forward and then I think um, while is this how do we do transactions probably also with signing all these like also how do we provide actually there's already a, quite a lot of tooling for ERP 1271 right like so that the developers don't have to think about okay do I first try to verify it against the contract and then switch back to easy recover I think this is the biggest shift that these things, we need to, to some extent, abstract them away initially, right? Like, um, and then once we have some abstracted away, they come uh, more naturally. We One example where we saw this happening is actually, we, we have this way that you can use um, depths inside the safe interface. And in the beginning, we had a dedicated SDK, which exposes all the functionality of the safe with batch transactions. You can use uh, contract signatures. But it was like tedious developers did not really make use of this. There are a couple projects like one inch that really made use of this, but most of the project didn't and therefore was little compatibility and only once we really integrated it with tools like onboard js or web three model where the developers didn't have to think about it anymore that there is a different type of wallet, then they started using it then it worked right like so this is I think the most important and first step is that developers should not make any assumptions neither is it a private key nor is it a smart contract wallet the first step is that they just use it just um like use the tool set, i mean this is part of the abstraction right like you should not think about the details and then once we have this then it's really about really pushing more standards also around hey should we should devs be able to trigger recovery right like these are the how can we bring the more advanced stuff there really and um should you have more conditional flows or stuff like this but i think the f- initial problem is big enough that we can uh, that we need to solve this first before we jump to um to this more advanced stuff how do, how do we have exceptional flows
1: yeah we have some work to do i, w- I would say for sure i mean part of this is that it's on like the you know maybe it's on wallets maybe it's on just the general standards and tooling but it's also a uh... It's like a mental model we've kind of been stuck with for a long time like you learn how ethereum works right you read uh andreas Antonopoulos' book you're like all right eoas most most transactions are going to be every transaction has to be triggered by an eoa right so every application is just thinking in terms of this different mental model i think it just might take some time to even break that um so no that, that that's definitely interesting on on the signature side i saw you involved in a a forum the other day i don't know where it was but there's an another eip on that that's uh for like trying to solve this yolo signing problem <laughs> where uh people using these web3 applications just get uh you know they they see a bunch of data that they're about to sign they have no idea what it means but like you know they just yolo sign right they just sign it so eip i think it was 6384 is supposed to help with this problem and i saw you point out that there's a one of the latest Solidity versions has dynamic expressions in that spec, which is pretty cool. I discovered that through this forum. But what what is that EIP, and 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 you know, why do you think it might be important?
0: Yes, I mean, it's always this point of what is YOLO signing, right? Like, um, it comes down to, and in the past, this was very very much, I think where it really originates from is if you sign a transaction with your ledger hardware wallet you'd sign a really normal transaction you're like oh damn it i don't want to click this 10 times on my ledger wallet i just say confirm right like and then your funds are gone and this is where like okay the why nowadays for normal transactions all the tooling is there that metamask tells you hey this method is what you call you set this approval do you really want to do this actually when it comes to signatures People are still in this mode. Hey, I'm just signing a message. Nothing can happen, right? Like, and I mean, uh, big kudos actually to MetaMask because recently they shut down their original implementation of eSign, where you could, as a depth trigger signing of arbitrary messages. So you could actually let the users sign a transaction, and the users would just see, "Hey, you're signing something, not submitting a transaction." You're like, yeah, I'm just signing, and you could sign arbitrary transactions. Say. Turns this off, it's a very good move. But yeah, it's still this point where contracts are using signatures, right? Like to authenticate interactions. So that because it's a very gas-efficient way where you say, hey, we do as much as possible off-chain. So we collect signatures. And only when we settle something, then we move it on-chain. Because you know, normally this is where on-chain is important when you want to settle something, and beforehand it shouldn't matter too much. And Obviously, therefore, every interaction that you sign is important and you should not just sign. Hey, it's just signing. Nothing can happen. Right? Like, and um, that's, there are multiple exchanges Cowswap is one of the examples where you sign a message and therefore do an order, right? Like you say what you want to trade and if you don't pay attention to what you sign, um, yeah, then this goes downhill. You lose funds again, right? Like it's the same problem as the beginning and therefore pushing a standard where it's, hey, how can we make it possible that users better understand what they sign without us having to go into our very long text messages, right? Like this is, um, I think there are some standards where where this was chosen to provide a better initial user experience because currently, okay, I have to go into technical details here a little bit. So there we have this EIP 712 and ERP 191. And 191 is a Serum signed message. You see a long text message that you then sign. While 712 is you have um, like type data, so it's more like a struct it looks like a JSON object when you want to sign it. And obviously, the long text for users is a little bit nicer. If you have a, if you put line breaks in there, it's nicer to render. It's a text, right? Like where if you render a JSON object kind of to a user, I mean it's cool. Developers can understand what's in there, but for the user, it's not that cool, right? Like, and. The EIP 6384 kind of tackles this. They say, hey, let's try to come up with some way to make this JSON um, easier readable. Um, Because this is important. Because if we look at sign in with Ethereum, for example, they explicitly decided against EIP 721 and uh, went for no 712. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, for 712. Switching it around. Um, And went for 191 because they said 712 is not readable. And that's the problem with EIP 191 is that processing a message or just uh, a long text message in a contract is close to impossible. And then you lose the whole flexibility again, where you say, hey, let's have conditional signatures. Let's, uh, For certain interactions, we have certain uh, different logic, how we validate the signature. You lose this again, which is you lose a lot of flexibility, right? Like, and therefore, this this is really important because we need to make this We need to combine machine readable or contract readable in this case with human readable
1: makes sense and basically what this is right my understanding here is like if this ip gets some traction and people are like yes this is a standard we should all adopt my understanding is that it's just going to make uh writing good nat spec that much more important right for devs that have external functions that will be called by users is that is that is that a proper understanding
0: Um, This would be at least one of the proposed solutions there. It would be the case, yeah. Um, Yeah, net specs are a fun part. Um, A little bit anecdote on this one is that um, because I also, in the first version of the safe contracts, it was not the highest priority. So actually for this newest version that we will publish um, or that we're currently auditing, one of the big tasks that took us the longest time was let's add net specs, proper one, grammar proof, um, like, where we proofread the grammar for all of the subcontracts. And this was a big task, right? Like in the beginning, I had so many typos in there, stuff not being 100% correct, where it's really, um, it shows also over time how priorities change, right? Like um, when 2017, when we wrote the first versions of the contracts was let's save gas as much as possible. While now it's more like, hey, user experience, like let's make the user understand what is happening and NetSpec is a big part of this, right? Like, So yeah, definitely documentation and NetSpecs will become more important, but the actually provides also alternatives where it's less about putting it completely onto the NetSpecs and into the contract and rather say, hey, can we have some other means how we can integrate with external sources so that we can... um, Make sure that even already deployed contracts can benefit from this because if you take netsbeds it's tied to your contract. If you deployed your contract before the standard became really um, adopted, then it will not work, which is kind of sad because there are quite a lot of good projects um, already out there that support ERP 712 and that would then not take advantage of this.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, that that will definitely be uh, good if you can have some a little bit of backwards compatibility with it. So it's good stuff. Okay, so let, let's get into some more practical builder stuff, right? You mentioned at the very beginning of this, you guys made an announcement. I'll be transparent. I haven't seen the announcement yet because I think it literally went out the second we started recording. So, uh, my understanding is this is like a developer focused announcement. So, I'll let you uh, give us the overview and we can talk through it from there.
0: Yes. So, also, uh tracking half a year right like i mean we started the Safe dao last year and then we launched it and it was like hey um, the starting or the official starting point now we are an independent project from the gnosis dao as a safe project um, and one of the big things and also just recently confirmed in our constitution of the dao is really hey our focus is building and fostering an ecosystem right like and why it was part of gnosis the focus was hey we build our own interface primarily we also, they had already public tools, but we wanted to focus way more on this. And obviously just saying we want to do this is not helpful. We we need to do some actions, right? Like and this is where today we um, launched um, our, like, this new safe core suit, where really it's a safe core where we have three parts of it. It's one part of the SDK, one part is our API, and one part is um as a protocol. The protocol currently is modules and contracts, API or indexing API where you can get all the information and queue transactions. And the SDK is then coupling this together where you can interact seamlessly with these other tools and even using external tools like Gelato for relaying or Stripe for onboarding. And um, or we also f- integrate with tools, um, wallet providers like Web3OS to really bring an easy user experience um, to make it possible with just a couple lines of code to take full advantage of the of this account abstraction stack, right? Like account abstraction also in the sense of we want to have counterfactual deployment, we want to have an easy onboarding user experience. We want that the user has the flexibility to to use additional means of account recovery. And yeah, there we did a first version um, or we published the first version today, a first launch. And we are looking forward, or like our plan is in the next years actually, but also in the next short-term, right, like to extend this, we want to have, uh, we started out with this authentication, which is like um, the Ethereum wallet provider um, kit and relay kit with Gelato and um, the on-ramp kit, because we say for initial user experiences are, is the foundation. And the next two parts that we want to focus on is multi-chain. Multi-chain is a very important topic um, that, again, something with account obstruction, we need to consider this there, and um, also um, account recoveries; these will be two big topics that we want to bring uh, easy access to later on. But yeah,
1: I love it. Yeah, so you have the SDK API and, and the protocol side that people can interact with. I thought the I saw some docs at some point. I don't know if it was yesterday when I was doing research or this morning, where the the Stripe onboarding thing I think is also really interesting. Um, what what is the API exactly? You said there's a like you can get like index data from that. Like what is the API use case for?
0: Uh, in general, when you trigger a transaction via account abstraction, right? Like it's suddenly not as simple anymore as uh, as it was with a normal Ethereum transaction to get information about the transaction. Cause normally since these are smart contract accounts, a lot of this interaction happens internally, internally in the EVM side, right? Like so from the outside, it looks like there is some transaction to your wallet, but what actually your wallet then does is not really clear. And for this, actually similar how you can go to ESA scan and say, give me all transaction for my account, which from a normal node you also cannot get, right? Like you would have to listen to each block to get this. We have an API where we say for our saves, hey, give me this, um, give me all transaction for this specific um, safe," and also filter them by specific like to or from. Um, and yeah, we, we are running this because it's also used by our interface, but we also uh, expose this for um, all the other developers to use this because this is, I think, if you want to show your user uh, like the history of transactions that they have done, also to your protocols, this is something that is required. Every user kind of is used to that they can see their transaction history on ESA scan. and right now with account abstraction, this is something where we um, where we have to also do some shift in okay, where do you get this information from? And also there in the long run, right? Like there should be many alternatives, right? Where we have our API that we run on a more flexible and custom um setup. Obviously, there and there are other teams that also where you can do something very similar with um the graph, right? Like so something where we also coordinate with them. Actually the graph a subgraph was written by the multis team, which is also building on top of the safe, where it's really you can get the same information there. It's just that our custom solution, since we also provide a lot of a, a couple of chains where um, the graph is not running, for example, the newly launched base um, network from Coinbase, right? Then, therefore, our own service is a little bit more flexible. But yes, yeah, this is where also an important piece of tech stack for the user experience.
1: Got it. Yeah, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. It's actually not something I considered, but it, it yeah, we're definitely going to need some additional tooling to. Allow people to easily trace transactions, right? Especially in this, in this, with this new mental model, right? It's going to take some, uh, some, uh, some adapting. But okay, so let's let's think about this from the point of view of a developer, right? Let's just go to like a sample workflow. Like, how would I use each piece of this, right? So let's assume that I am someone who has a DeFi application, and I want to let some completely non Web three native person come in and use my product. With as little friction as humanly possible, right? How would I use each of this e- each piece of this suite of tooling to make this happen? To assume maybe I start out with the stripe the stripe onboarding right to go from my credit card uh, or my debit card to crypto and then move from there. like what would what would like a typical workflow look like if I used all of this tooling for the entire experience?
0: May I challenge you on the starting point? Um, sure, actually. Um, because when we thought about it, right, like why did we choose these tools? Like actually, it's a very common thing where we don't want the user to pay before they actually know what they're paying for, right? Like you if you think about a marketplace, it's fair you need to log in, right? Like or you, like you see what you can buy and you should be able to like, hey, I, I fill my basket and then you should be able to log in and you don't want to create an account. And that's also where we said, hey, let's take Web3OS, where it's really, hey, you log in with Google. And then web 3 Auth does the magic to store your private key encrypted on your Google Drive, right? Like and therefore it's still in your, um, like you control where it's stored, but you can access the private key and based on this private, like based on this address, another for the user it's only an email address, your Google account. For under the hood, it's obviously still a private key for now. But this is the owner of a safe, and therefore you can also extend this. But as soon as we know this, we know the address of the safe. Even so, it's not deployed. This is like the advantage of counterfactual deployment. right? Like So, we can already start doing all the process and even say, hey, um, now you want to check out. So, we say, hey, use Stripe to top up your safe. Even so, there is nothing yet, right? Like, so there's no account yet. And then you can use this to fund your account. And in this last transaction where you actually then go with the um, with Transferring the tokens or minting the tokens to the users, you would do this. Hey, okay, the the credit card payment was done. You deploy the safe, and you and for the user, this should be just like two steps, and then they see the processing step, right? And this is where our SDK really provides you the method and the widgets to easily integrate this to to get started. The counterfactual um, integra- uh, deployment is done under the hood, right? Like if you initialize it, you get the address. You don't have to worry about this. Uh, if you trigger the first transaction, um, uh, it then deploys the contracts if necessary and relays the transaction. And if you even say um, the user should not have to pay for it, it's, uh, you can even go to to set up uh, with Gelato in a way that you can sponsor the transactions. They have some mechanisms for this, right? And then providing an even better user experience because especially on L2 networks, sponsoring is a quite... Like it brings a lot of benefits to the user and it's not that cost uh, costly as it is on Mainnet, right? So this is really where we want to go with a couple lines of code. You can provide this very nice onboarding experience.
1: Interesting. So I think, yeah, you, you corrected me on that, right? So, so step maybe like zero is use Web3 Auth to even log in in the first place. And I guess one other question I have, um, you have to, like before you even do any of this, right? So even before step zero, you have to actually set up a safe of your own separately right like the sdks don't allow you to just create a safe on demand uh when you use web3 author am i wrong about that
0: so it will not deploy it right like um and the current setup is as soon as you have any address you can derive a safe address this is because it we use create two which then deterministically lets you get the address um this is especially so since it's the first version of the sdk long term theoretically you can be even more flexible right like you could generate a temporary key that is not exposed anywhere and you know the address even before the user creates um, any account and then you replace it with the first transaction and like you really say you transfer ownership or you say um, you create an account that actually doesn't have any viable key and you say you have some recovery mechanisms. Um, I think this is how also in Web2 quite often it's done, right? Like you get an account through your email address with no password because they say if you want your password back, reset your password. Um, I mean, these are then the approaches that currently are not covered by the SDK, but we really want to provide because it should be, depending on your application and what you provide, you can you require different security standards, right? Like it might be required that from the get-go you want you want the user to require multi-factor authentication, or you say you know it's a game, you you play with in the beginning, it's a tutorial, you don't need any assets, do a temporary key, so it's we can do the first interactions fast, and then you move towards a more secure model later on, right? And this is where we want to go, and currently it's more it says, hey, we we use web 3 auth as our primary um, wallet um, provider or authentication um, provider and yeah but we want to extend this as one of our big goals and also um it will be something where we want to actively support external teams to integrate this right like it's the power of open source Uh, i mean as i mentioned in the beginning that's why i fell in love with the Ethereum ecosystem is because it is so open source people can contribute to other projects and actually it's also quite common to support these the the developers that want to integrate and that's where we have a big grant program or yes we i think we announced it a while ago for this um, take-back-ownership um, campaign, but also, yeah, moving forward, one a big part of the funding that the SAFE team collected is meant to go towards fostering the ecosystem and pushing the ecosystem also to engage
1: with with the project. I love that. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting, right? You're going to have the ability. So someone like Ave, right? Blue-chip DeFi protocol or just any other application, right? Maybe it's a game or something like that. Let, let's take Ave as an example if I have a safe, right, I can, if, if I've enabled all of this, right, if I have a safe, I could literally just go to AVE, right, just log in with Web3 Auth, go choose the pool, I want to provide liquidity to to earn some yield, maybe I'm just testing things out, maybe I want to borrow money, after I'm logging with Web3 Auth, I'm authenticated, right, my wallet's connected effectively, and, Right before I actually submit the transaction to borrow money or um, provide liquidity. I, the stripe, maybe, maybe I maybe Ave build some kind of modal where the stripe thing pops up right in front of the screen. I get on my credit card, I put in my credit card number like I'm used to. And I and if Ave wanted to, they could even ab- abstract the gas away. So if I want to provide USDC, I don't need to buy ETH and USDC, I could just buy USDC provide my USDC as liquidity, and boom, I'm in the game without having to first go to Coinbase and then send the money from Coinbase to this wallet uh, or maybe bridge it first and then go to Coinbase or or send it, then, sorry. Go to Coinbase, buy the funds, send it to this wallet, bridge it, and then do it on L2 if I want to, right? So all these steps, we're going to basically abstract some of them away and make this much, much easier to do. So I think that's very, very cool. My, my understanding is there there is correct, right?
0: Yes, that is, uh, that's what it should be. And that's what we want to provide.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay. So super excited for that. And as, as we get close to to wrapping this up, I do have a couple other questions that that might be useful for just devs in general, right? People that want to learn from someone like yourself about how to build high quality applications, secure applications and all that good stuff. So one thing I wanted to ask you is like, you guys have a, a sterling security record right you guys have a lot of funds in safes uh you seem to do a very very good job with security all of your audits seem to come back uh with no vulnerabilities or anything like that so how do you and the team approach things like security like do you have any processes in place that you think other teams should follow like how do you you look at it i think we are quite defensive i would
0: say which is good and bad, but especially on the very core, I think it's required because we have been in the past, quite some incidents with wallets. Um, And there we really say, hey, um, I think actually it's nothing super special. It's actually what I would recommend every smart contract developer, high test coverage, right? Like make sure that you don't only... Test happy path. You should also test the error path, like what you don't want to happen. Um, Very good documentation, right? Like you should document your code. You should um, document also like how you do your. uh, What did you do with the architecture? It's actually something where we're currently revamping it because um, we don't have an up-to-date one, the latest one. And then really do an audit, right? Like because for auditors, this is where and best don't do just one audit, do multiple audits. But yeah. Um, and this is what we say it's the default and then we have additionally to that before we then have this new version to push it to production we say we normally put it up on on chain but we don't push it to the users right like so we we have a couple we have a test runs we put funds there <clears throat> um, um normally like we we upgrade one of our saves first which holds funds and therefore it's like a test run and we have a bounty that currently is up to 1 million dollars and where if you find any bug which obviously applies also to new versions where this can be covered um yeah so this is this is the default process there are a couple of things that have been done in the past which we also currently Working on to reiterate on them. So in the, the very first version of the safe, so 1.00, we had a formal verification with runtime verification. And <clears throat> currently, we are working on also to write and provide new rules and re-ver- uh, formally verify our current contracts with Chitora. So where it's really about, hey, we want to want to make sure that we have a framework when we write new code that we have Chitora provides basically formal verification as as a service, and we can integrate in our um, and continuous integration pipeline and so therefore we can uh, evolve the code and long run even to the point where we say we provide a framework that module developers which i came back to like which i mentioned in the beginning is very security critical piece of the safe stack that they can use shatora and the tools if they want to provide this functionality right like we want them that they have a framework where they can plug in they still need to do some stuff on their own, write certain rules, but they should have like a kickstart into this formal verification approach to to really provide the highest level of security. Um, additionally to this, obviously, bug bounty is something where it's currently very centralized for us. We say as a foundation, we provide a bug bounty. Also there, we are looking into how can we decentralize this? How can we push this more on-chain, involve also there's the ecosystem, use this as a guarantee in, in when we put everything together, um, have been talking there with um, with teams like Heads Finance, where it's really, where they, pro- they also use the safe under the hood, but where it's really about, okay, how can we bring um, bug bounties on-chain and make it so that uh, that's a, like the DAO community can also better govern this and interact with this. Yeah, and all this together, I think, brings it. Like, you need all of this to have a proper security. And then, I think, the point that you need time time is uh, a very very valuable aspect right like um, which is always this trade-off okay do we try to update every year a new version or more often or do we let it sit and and this again is why we shows a very flexible approach where you say hey the core of the safe contracts we do not want to touch every year right like then we'll do an update this year to better support erp4 through c7 that's <clears throat> and then we will evaluate how can we actually have the next big update but this isn't such a big update that it's probably like, it's a version two then, actually. So this is, um, actually on our forums, this has been discussed. We are quite uh, like open about this transparent. So we want to get the feedback of the developers what to do there, so yeah.
1: I love it. And I like the fact that you're pushing formal verification forward. I think that's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, we're, trying to do some of that, we're trying to do some of that stuff internally as well. And I love the fact that you're gonna open up some of this tooling and some of these processes to module developers. I think that's gonna be super, super helpful for your community. Um, how are you doing on time by the way do you have time for like one or two other questions sure let's go for it okay um so one thing we also like to ask everyone who comes on who's spent some time in the space who, who have built really high value products is whether or not you have any just general advice for developers that are early in their career in web3 right say there's a group of junior Web3 devs listening, maybe they've just gotten their first smart contract development job, they've been working there for six months, and they really want to level up. Like, do you, what, what advice do you have for them on, on getting better and becoming senior and being, be, being high impact? I think there are two parts to it. And
0: one comes back to this, really take advantage of such an open ecosystem. Like, I mean, read up on like 90% probably of the protocols out there are open source. Go there, read their contracts. There's a lot of high value super awesome protocols where you can deep dive into it and see all the nitty-gritty uh, details, right? Like how they work. And this is not only for smart contracts, but I mean, also when you go to nodes, when you go to how the graph works with indexing, all of this is open source. So there's no secrets. And you you understand certain details why certain edge cases, which are important in the smart contract development, right? Like um, edge cases can blow up the whole protocol. Um And then actually the second part, which I think actually there was a time where this was a little bit lost when ETH was super high value and L2s were not that big yet. When I started, it was a nice thing. You could play in production a little bit, right? Like you could the ETH was at 200 dollars or something when I started. So you could actually trigger transaction, play with the protocols without having to pay ten euros for for transaction fees, right? And this is coming back with L2s, right? Like it's this is a nice stuff about like also polygon and when you look at also the other like roll-ups networks, it's not that expensive. Go there, play around with the protocols that are out there. Look what happens, right? It is it's also there super open. You, It's not that you have to, everything takes KYC process. Most of these protocols, you need, your, um, you need a public key or private key, uh, right? Like, and then you can like really play around. So for me personally, it was always this that I could engage, that I could play with the protocol, and then look at the source code, what is actually happening under the hood, right? Like, which was super valuable for me, which for me personally is the thing where, like, hey, I love deep diving into the technical details. And if something was unexpected, yes, uh, it takes some time, but I deep dive into it until I understood, ah, that's why it's unexpected. I mean, also with MetaMask, actually, right? Like, um, as much as I think... Um, the way forward is something beyond the current MetaMask. It is super interesting to look at the tech stack of MetaMask. How do they do things? How How is it organized? How do they interact with the web pages? It's something I would recommend if somebody has a couple days, deep dive into it. It's such a big code base, you will probably need a couple of days, but this is for me, like, go for it. This is, this is a fun, for me, it's a lot of fun and
1: super valuable lesson. I love that. Yeah, I'd also say that, like, uh... From my point of view, the thing that we all lack is time. Like I'm sure there's a laundry list of things you'd like to learn if you had the time, and you'll find if you just go super deep down some individual rabbit hole, there's a chance that you're one of like five people in the world that went that deep on that particular thing, even though it's open, right? We all have, we all lack time, right? You, you might become an expert more quickly than you think. So yeah, I think that that's wonderful advice. Um, last question. It's far more general. Uh, But you're, I think, well positioned to to give, I think, an interesting answer. But what do you hope our industry looks like in 10 years? Like, how do you how do you hope things have evolved? What are what are people building? Uh, And like, I don't know, how do you how do you see everything unfolding?
0: I think what I hope is that um, when I uh, tell somebody I'm working with crypto, that it's not like, okay, so you're in the speculative market thingy, um, which is it's a little bit frustrating because I know there are people for that into the crypto market. I am not. I am for the tech stack. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I I, like, yeah, I hope that this it becomes just normal. I, I know that sounds maybe weird, but because, you know, a big part also of our living is that it is so special, but um, yeah, it should become a common thing. It should be accepted. Um, and what I mean with acceptance really also <clears throat> there is a lot of this regulatory question. So I'd like the tech part, it's, it's, there's a big tech part, definitely, and a, a lot of tech hurdles to overcome. But actually, there's uh, we have Christoph, one of the other co-founders of the SAFE, who is very much focused also on the regulatory and legal part. This is still a big question. How does it play together, right? Like, and what is the way? Because yes, we can obviously just ignore everything that exists and go fully illegal and Uh, Unregulated, but is this really the solution to bring it to our parents? Um, And I think this is for me the hope. It's, It's clarity, it's a little bit more normality that it's seen as something accepted, right? Like right now, it feels still there's still a lot of doubt and misconception, in my opinion. And I think this is what I'm working forward to and what I want to enable others to work forward to, right? Like to bring it really to something that people don't see as super special, fancy, abnormal, right? Yeah, it's
1: a good answer. I have a lot of the same hopes. It'd be nice to go to a holiday family dinner and uh, not get weird looks. So, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm with you there. Well, listen, Richard, thank you so much for coming on. We're super excited for all the things you're building. Uh, It's safe. I'm going to go check out the SDKs and some of your new tooling and probably try to create some examples with it. So it's awesome stuff. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me and you know I have to do this final advertisement you know we are looking for help also inside our team not only inside the ecosystem so check out our um our webpage and uh, what what we have there and what op- uh, positions we have but yeah we I mean we lose help everywhere it's a big project web 3 needs to stick together and push forward to the, uh, together so
1: I love it all right well, you guys you guys heard the man go check out the careers page and the uh then the the safe side and see if you can. How about the ecosystem? Cool. cool. Listen, thank Richard. You. Thank you again for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. It
0: was a lot of fun for me too. And then see you later.